Amen. And good morning. So good to see all of you this morning. If you are still looking for a seat, I know these seats are very nervous for some of you, but there's four right here on the front row, and there's four over here on this front row. Um, There's a few others. And if you are able to scoot into the edges of your aisle just to make room, we have a few folks still looking for seats. Thank you for your patience. Um, We talk about this often here at City Church. We are um, constantly looking and doing all we can to try to make room for everyone. And uh, we're grateful for the growth that we are experiencing here. And um, we're trying to just navigate that wisely, uh, as wisely as we possibly can. So um, Sunday mornings, if you are not a guest with us, or excuse me, if you are a guest with us, my name is Ryan, by the way, I'm one of the pastors here at City Church, and Sunday mornings um, here at City Church are reserved uh, for the worship of King Jesus, uh, worship through singing, worship through the word, uh, through preaching, and so uh, because of that, we don't uh, often uh, make time for a lot of announcements um, and those types of things, it's just intentional, we want Sunday mornings, um, as I believe, we believe scripture's called us to, to just elevate Jesus, Um, and so, uh, but there are times where uh, we need to update you. We need to give you some information as a church family, sort of bring you up to the speed on some of the things perhaps that our elders have been praying about and talking about. And one of those things is our efforts to plant churches. Um, and I want to bring you up to speed or share uh, with you this morning. I'm really excited uh, about beginning Advent season, but also beginning to really begin to share with you what I've alluded to a few times over the last month and what we see God is doing um, in our church as he has called us to plant churches. Um, If you are not familiar with us, 10 years ago, this church was planted on Easter Sunday. We'll celebrate our 10-year anniversary as a church, a new church start, and we have seen God do amazing and beautiful things through uh, this church family. About two years ago, I stood right here on a Sunday morning, and I said um, that we feel called to continue this work of planting and starting uh, new churches. Our mission statement here at City Church is we're a community of people growing in submission to the Lordship of Jesus Christ for the glory of God, the good of the city, and the hope of the world. And that focus of church planning really revolves, that statement of for the good of the city has always been about, it's in our DNA, that we look to serve and meet the needs of the city uh, where we live. We've called you, we've uh, talked often about how God brought you wherever you live, God put you there. It's not on accident. Most of you think you came there because the schools were great. Nope, it's because God brought you there. Uh, God put you there so that you could be a minister of reconciliation and share the hope of Christ with the city where you live. And so as we think about that, uh, we have many people coming from all over sort of the North Texas region, all over around here, Melissa, Anna, Van Alstein, some from McKinney. And we want to continue to plant churches in these communities that would be really passionate and faithful in being for the good of those cities. And so that's where that effort came from. As I said, two years ago, I said, we feel this calling. We want to step into, we're kind of taking a step of faith in some way by saying, we're putting a flag in the sand that in the fall of 24, we're going to attempt to send out a group from our body to plant a church um, north. We didn't know exactly where. Uh, We didn't have a lot of those details, but our elder team felt called and we thought, hey, we're going to put that flag in the sand. Kent Davis, one of our pastors here, uh, Pat Knight, uh, we're all a part of that. And so we began to uh, sort of forge ahead in this work of, of starting this this new church. We called it the Bridge Church, and there was a lot of work that was happening. But over the last two years, as you can tell, it's the fall of 24, and we're still all here. We haven't sent out yet. And so um, we have, in some ways, felt a little frustrated. I'm sure you have felt some of those similar emotions. I can tell you our elder team, Kent, and I'm going to invite Kent to come on up even now. Kent and I and our elder team, we have sort of been wrestling with God over the last two years. Um, in Acts, we have been in a study in the book of Acts, 
And in Acts chapter 16, Paul is frustrated by the Lord. He's frustrated because he has felt this calling. He wants to go to Asia, and he, yet he senses the Holy Spirit says, no, you can't go. And then he receives a vision from the Lord, this Macedonian call that says, you need to go to Macedonia and take the gospel there. And so he faithfully steps out and does that. And of course, that's where we've been over the last few weeks in Acts chapter 17 and 18, seeing this unfold, this story. Well, our elder team over the last two years and with Kent's leadership, we have just sort of just been pressing in, asking God to show us, but I'll just be very just clear. My emotions have been like, I know that church planning is right. I know that this is what we've been called to. I know that it is a good thing, and yet we feel as if there's just wall after wall. We can't seem to get clarity around this. And so for some, in, in some ways, for two years, we've sort of felt a bit of this frustration. Well, I am happy and excited to share with you. The reason I'm so excited about this is I am now, we are now seeing what God was doing. What, what he was up to. You've heard me say many times in our church that God is doing millions of things and we might be aware of three. Um, well, in, similarly, we have seen and God has been up to doing a lot of things that we weren't aware of. Uh, about six months ago, uh, I got a phone call uh, from a man that you're about to meet, a gentleman named Rob Tombrella. And Rob said, uh, one of the things I get to do along with serving here at City Church is to encourage and coach and just try to strengthen church planting efforts in our county uh, through our relationships with Acts 29 and other, uh, our Colin Baptist Association, these groups of churches coming together with hopes of planting more churches. And so I got a call from Rob and, and he said, hey, I want to talk to you. I feel I've been called to church planting. Our church in Frisco, Grace. Church in Frisco is called to be about church planning, and I want to talk with you and meet with you about that. And that started a series of conversations, and I'm going to let Kent share a little bit of how that unfolded, of us really seeing exactly what God was doing. And so today I get to share, we get to share that there is a new work, but it's a work that God has clearly shown us and he's revealed all that he's been doing over these last two years. While City Church was sort of wrestling with the Lord and growing frustrated in Kent and our leadership team were trying to figure out exactly what that looked like, Rob and Grace Church were doing the same. We were completely unaware of one another until about six months ago. And then God brought that together. And so now we see this moving forward. And so Grace Church and City Church in a beautiful partnership that you don't see, I'll just tell you, you don't see these things very often in the kingdom of God, unfortunately, are coming together to say, we're going to plant a new church in Anna, Resurrection Church, a new church coming to life that we're going to send out, we pray, in the next year. And so I wanted Kent to come up and introduce, we want to introduce Rob to you, but I wanted you to hear from Kent, who obviously has been a big part of leading this effort. Thanks, Ryan. I'll try to be brief. Um, uh Uh-huh. Um, quit laughing. Um, so this has been an awesome thing. You know, Ryan mentioned this, just the sovereignty of God, the providence of God. You see him. I was telling a friend this past week, literally this. Um, so many times in our lives, we don't know why things happen the way they do. I don't understand some of the, even the past, some of the stuff. I don't know why. I don't. We prayed a ton about that, all of this. And yet, um, just trusting in God that he knows what he's doing. So Pat, you guys know Pat, and, uh, or most of you know him, but he came down with cancer, and because of that diagnosis, he just came to me and he said, man, I cannot commit to doing this. I don't feel good about doing that, which I got that. I hit him in the jaw right there. Um, I'm kidding. Um, anyway, um, but it really caused me, because to plant a church takes a ton of effort. Pat was going to go full-time. You guys know, or many of you know, and some of you guys sponsor kids with us. I lead a ministry that works with orphan and vulnerable kids, 25 Project. And um, so I had a decision to make. Am I going to leave that 
to go plant or, um, God, what are you doing? So I had a conversation with Ryan in his office back in the late summer, and it was one of those things. I said, God, I will do whatever you want. Whatever, the yes is on the table. Tell me what you want me to do. And I could not, just to be honest with you, there's a lot longer story to this, but I could not get a piece about it. And so about that time, um, and just praying through that, knowing that uh, God's called me first to that ministry, and I love what I do. I have the greatest job in the world. love what I do. About that same time, I met Rob. And um, I don't know if you guys have ever had a coffee for three and a half hours with somebody, but if you did, it probably went well or really bad. I don't know. <laughs> but um, I feel like it went really well. And in that conversation of having coffee and talking about church planning as well, um, it just, I think you were thinking this, Rob. I was thinking it like, well, we, we could do this together and um, potentially. And so that began the conversation of just saying, God, whatever you want, I'll say yes and and you put us together for this, I think. And so, um, Rob, you're going to come on up. Um, I'm so excited to, to introduce him um, and grateful that God just seems to put, has put this all together. And so Rob, Rob's going to lead out in this. Um, and I know this brings up some questions. Some of you guys who've been a part of this, the bridge, um, look, we're, this is a restart, brand new, and trusting that God knows what he's doing. And so a new name and all that, and I'm excited about working together with this guy, and the more I've gotten to know him, the more I've, I've this is true, I'm not just saying this, I really like you, and um, <laughs> I've grown to love him, and uh, I'm so excited about what that will be. Rob will be leading out full-time, and I'll be uh, serving as well, and preaching some as well. I hope that you're okay with that, and we'll see how that goes, um, but welcome, man. So so glad to announce this. Thank you. Um, thank you, Ken. I like you, too. Uh, we... Um, a little bit about myself. I've been in ministry for 25 years. I know it's hard to imagine, but the, the gray uh, confirms that. Uh, and about 18 of those years has been at a church called Grace Church in Frisco. Uh, around 2005, my wife and I was pastoring a church, a, a Baptist church on Lake Whitney uh, after seminary, and we just felt called to be a part of a church plant uh, to Frisco. We didn't know much about Frisco, but we felt God calling us to go and do that. And, uh, and that, we didn't know how that was all going to work out. At the time, uh, our oldest, uh, we had just adopted. And my second oldest, Michelle, was, was pregnant with Joel. And so you'll see a, a picture there. Uh, Sam, is, uh, he's on staff at our church. And so uh, he's there this morning. So is Joel. Uh, he's, he's, he's busy doing stuff. He's a uh, Sam is a, a freshman at uh, Collin Tech. Joel is a senior at Panther Creek High School. Asher, who is sitting right over here, is a freshman at Panther Creek High School. So just a couple weeks ago at the playoff game, we had to decide, are we going to go to the Panther Creek side where we've been, or are we going to go to the Anna side where we're going? And we went to the winning side for any Anna people here. And it was a great game. It was a lot of fun. So, uh Anyway, for those 18 years, I have done a lot of different things in terms of ministry and, and, and new initiatives and those kinds of things. Every one of those years, my wife would know, the, the elder, our elder team would know. And by the way, they're, they're, they're praying for today. They're, uh, they're praying for this. Uh, they're excited about this partnership. They would know about my sense of calling to plant the church and sort of our yes was on the table every one of those years, and, and we just came to the Lord every one of those years saying, Lord, we're ready to go. But each one of those years, the Lord said to stay. And that process of hearing stay taught me that 
while we, we celebrate the go, it often takes a lot more faith to be redirected and follow the Lord, and it's, it can be very frustrating and challenging. So I just respect so much uh, those who in this season have heard stay or be redirected, and so uh, that's, that's where we have been for, for many years. I know that tension. But at, at the beginning of 2023, the Lord very clearly confirmed for us to go and to plant a church in Anna. And uh, there's a lot to that. There's a lot of things that happened to, to confirm that for us. And we would like to share more of that uh, at the luncheon in a couple of weeks. There's no time for that. But one huge confirmation for us uh, before Michelle and I kind of looked at each other at a Tex-Mex uh, restaurant where we make all our major decisions um, <laughs> was, uh, was one final confirmation was how the Lord used you. We didn't know anything about how you guys have been praying the burdens that you had north of here, undeveloped areas of Collin County and Anna in particular, we didn't know that that mapped on with you guys like it was doing in our church. Uh, but I left an elder retreat saying I got one more conversation, and that is I'm going to reach out to the, actually, I think I'd already emailed Ryan at that time to say I need to, to meet with him and, and hear about the landscape of that area spiritually and the need, are there, is there a need for churches and uh, and, and I need to talk to somebody who's been there, has planted a church and been there for multiple years. And that was involved in Acts 29. And that was involved in the Colin Baptist Association with church planting. So for all those reasons, this, this conversation was really important. And it was very confirming. It was very helpful. But it was also for us and for our elder team, we just had a sense that, wow, the Lord is doing something that we've used words like special, unique, rare, because... The, the, the direction that the Lord had been leading you is exactly the same direction that the Lord's been leading us. And so from there, we've had conversations with, you know, Craig, who I've worked with. He's lead pastor at Grace Church. We've worked together for 18 years, and, and Ryan, and then Kent's come and hung out with our elder team, and then I've come and hung out with your elder team. And that's just rare. It's, it's not rare when one individual wants to go plant a church. It's very rare when two churches come together. And do something together and collaborate together. And so it's very, very special. Sometimes it's, it's a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. And that's kind of how we've talked about it. And, uh, you know, uh, it's only been confirmed even more in meeting Kent and getting to know him and his heart. We place each other in, in, in weird places uh, on our story. Uh, I think it's summer before I got married. I think we were in the same room together in Indiana. And uh, just, just incredible how the Lord's uh, put together a story that we couldn't, have, we couldn't have scripted this. And just hanging out together and getting to know each other just seems like the Lord is in this. And so we, we believe in the sovereignty of God that the Lord is always scripting our stories. But sometimes you just get a sense that you can smell the the ink as it's being put on the paper, and that's a little bit how it feels like for me, and that's how kind of we've talked about it. So uh, we are very excited uh, to be praying as a church about partnership. Uh, we're leaning into the Lord. There's opportunities for you to learn more in a couple of weeks. We are going to do that luncheon. There's a QR code. If you want to stay in the loop of what's happening, uh, you can just scan that right now. It only takes a second for you to do that, and you can get updates on, on everything that's, that's coming up. And we know that this is short notice, but on Saturday, this Saturday, December 9th, at, uh, in Anna at the uh, Slater Creek Park, they're, they're doing like a Santa's Village vendor market. 
and we've got a booth out there and flag, and we're going to give out hot chocolate. They, they asked us, uh, would you give out hot chocolate? And it's like, whoa, that's a little bit bigger than giving out candy canes. So, uh, but we're getting ready for that, and, and we need help. And so if you would like to come and be a part of that, if you'd like to meet some of the people that are coming on this church plant, uh, please come. It doesn't commit you to going, but if you come to that or to the lunch, it doesn't commit you to going, but you get more information uh, as, you, as you build those uh, relationships. We're also going to have some people from our church in the next service if some of you want to stick around and, and see some new faces. So we're, we're excited. Thanks for this opportunity to partner together. Yeah, thank you. Um, I hope really more than anything, I hope what you heard um, is we have been sensitive to the Lord's direction and the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit has made clear. And where there was once frustration and even some doubts, uh, we've just said, Lord, we're just gonna keep pressing in to what you have for us until you answer. Um, and I would encourage, if, if that's, you may be doing that just individually in life, um, keep doing that and, and the Lord will answer. And I'm so um, unbelievably just humbled um, that God has chosen to write this story with these two churches and Rob and Kent, um, these brothers. I'm so grateful for them, their faithfulness. And uh, we're excited about what God's doing in the days ahead. Uh, I wanna encourage you, if you live in Anna or North, um, make sure you get on that QR code just so you can be aware and, and, and begin even now praying and asking God, am I supposed to be a part of this work uh, with Rob and Kent? And uh, I, I, I kind of am just gonna tell you, I think you are. Um, and because uh, we need uh, laborers in that community to join with them and so um, Rob will be back, uh, as he mentioned, in two weeks on the 17th. He'll be preaching uh, uh, from our Advent series. And so you'll get to hear him preach. Uh, and then following our 11 o'clock service, uh, there will be a luncheon where you can uh, hang out with Rob and Kent and meet the whole rest of the team, meet Michelle and his uh, wife and uh, their family. Um, and so, yeah, just join in with us in whatever way you can. I want to pray. And would you join me in praying right now and just ask the Lord for his continued favor and blessing on this work. Holy Spirit, we thank you for your direction. We thank you for the way that we have seen you at work in our midst, God. Um, you are so kind um, to, one, just invite us into the ministry um, that you have to reconcile the world to yourself, to bring glory to your name, King Jesus, through our efforts. We thank you that we get to be a part of that. And I pray you just continue to stir us up, continue to press us. I pray your blessings and protection over Rob and Kent and their families as they uh, just faithfully step out into this calling and uh, the work that is ahead over the, the next months and years. And uh, Lord, would you just bless them? Uh, would you give them wisdom? Would you give them discernment, the ability to just see? And um, as a church family, uh, may we, just remain committed and faithful uh, to be on mission with you right. and, and to say that we're going to go um, and, and many in this room will be called to go and uh, there will be tears on that day where we say goodbye and we send out but there will also be great rejoicing to know that we've been faithful and that we're being used by you to expand your kingdom in this region. Right. Um, we thank you for just your involvement here. We pray that you would continue to bless all of this work. Um, we need your help, Jesus. And so uh, continue to fulfill your promise that you'll never leave us or forsake us. We thank you for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Love you guys. Thank you all. Amazing. All right, now open your Bibles to Jeremiah chapter 23. I knew that was going to happen. As we begin our Advent series, some of you are thinking, Jeremiah 23, I thought we were studying the book of Acts. Well, we are going to take a pause from our series, Studying Acts, um, to focus our hearts uh, in this season of Advent. 
Um, and we have called this series, A Weary World Rejoices. Um, we rejoice in spite of our weariness because of what we know Jesus will do. The promises that we see fulfilled, past tense, is Jesus came that first Christmas. We also know those promises will be filled future tense uh, through his second coming. As I think about that name, I also want to just highlight for you one of the resources that we have available in the cafe. I um, would encourage you to purchase this um, and journey with us through Advent, not just on Sunday mornings, but throughout your week, you can use this book um, and you can grab that in the cafe. We also have a resource for families, just an activity-based kind of a resource that will help you. If you have children in the home, would encourage you to grab that. It's your own Advent wreath that you can spend some time um, uh, studying and um, just involve your children in that. <clears throat> as I said, as we've been studying the book of Acts, though, we have seen that God uh, has called Paul in, recent, in the recent weeks. We've looked at God's calling on Paul to go to various cities and to proclaim Jesus as the Messiah. Um, you may remember in Acts chapter 17, two cities that we referenced and we saw in both places, Paul go to Thessalonica and then later into Athens. And in both cities, as he arrived in those cities, he went into the synagogue and the scripture says that he went into the synagogue to reason with the people from the scriptures. He went to the synagogues where there were Jewish people, God-fearing people who acknowledged God as real, but did not know Jesus Christ. And he went with them to, went to them to reason with them from the scriptures that Jesus was the Messiah. As I preached from that text a few weeks ago in both times, I referenced this other place that we see in scripture where we see a similar language used. Jesus on the road to Emmaus. He has laid down his life on the cross. Three days later, he's taken up his life again, but the disciples aren't aware that Jesus is alive. They don't know that he's been resurrected. And so because of that, they still remain in a bit of despondency, sadness, heartbroken, three years of their life, perhaps wasted. What were we doing? Why were we doing this? And Jesus meets them on this road and he essentially says, hey, you fools, you missed it. I told you over and over and over again that I had to suffer, I had to die to then be glorified, to be raised up. And what does it say? The scripture says that Jesus explained how all of the scriptures pointed to him. And so through this Advent season, each week, we're going to spend some time reasoning from the scriptures reminding ourselves or perhaps being taught for the first time that all of the scriptures, everything in this book points to Jesus as Messiah, to Jesus the Christ. And so as we prepare to receive and welcome Jesus on that celebration of Christmas, we're gonna look back and see that the scriptures point to him over and over and over again. There's hundreds of prophecies that point to Jesus in the Old Testament. We don't have 100 weeks. We don't have hundreds of weeks. We have four. And so we're going to look at four specific prophecies that point to Jesus and remind us of who Jesus is. And so that is where we come to Jeremiah chapter 23, one of the prophecies that points to the Messiah. We're going to see how it does that. And so if you're able, would you stand out of reverence for God's word as I read from Jeremiah chapter 23, verses 1 through 6. Woe to the shepherds who destroy and scatter the sheep of my pasture, declares the Lord. Therefore, thus says the Lord, the Lord God of Israel, concerning the shepherds who care for my people, you have scattered my flock and have driven them away, and you have not attended to them. Behold, I will attend to you for your evil deeds, declares the Lord. Then I will gather the remnant of my flock out of all the countries where I have driven them, and I will bring them back to their fold, and they shall be fruitful and multiply." 
I will set the shepherds over them who will care for them, and they shall fear no more, nor be dismayed. Neither shall any be missing, declares the Lord. Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will raise up for David a righteous branch, and he shall reign as king and deal wisely and shall execute justice and righteousness in the land. In his days, Judah will be saved and Israel will dwell securely. And this is the name by which he will be called. The Lord is our righteousness. Lord Jesus, our righteousness. We thank you for the hope of your word, the opportunity to study your word, even as we have just celebrated your fulfillment of your word in so many different ways through this church. We pause and we pray. I pray that you would bring hope to a weary people who perhaps have come here this morning exhausted from all of the toils and trials of life. Would you remind them of your love, your care? Would you help each of us to rest in your righteousness, a righteousness that we cannot find on our own, but a righteousness that is given to us because of your great love. Help us, we pray in Christ's name. Amen. You could be seated. It is a weary world, but as weary people, we can rejoice in his righteousness. This is what the prophet Jeremiah tells us to do. This is what the prophet Jeremiah points us to and gives us hope through. We rejoice in his righteousness. Well, before Jeremiah could lead the people into rejoicing, or if God's people could rejoice in this, Jeremiah establishes the problem in verse 1 of chapter 23 when he says, God says ultimately through him, Woe to the shepherds who destroy and scatter the sheep of my pasture. God sees unrighteousness everywhere. This is what Jeremiah has brought, been brought to the people to illuminate for them. If you read the preceding chapters of this book, you'll see unrighteousness and evil seem to be reigning. And that's the rule of the day is that there is bad things happening. I know many of us look around in our culture today, look around the world and we see evil and it seems to be winning. It seems to be challenging. There seems to be so many challenges. Well, in the day of Jeremiah, there's nothing new under the sun. That it was the exact same reality. And so God says that he is going to ex- execute his plan to intervene into the problem and the very first thing that he does is he rebukes the leaders, the shepherds who had been placed over his people because they have failed in their job. It says, woe to the shepherds who destroy and scatter the sheep of my pasture. Through this, we see God's love for his people. God loves his people because they are his people. Notice he declares it. This is my pasture. These are my sheep. And I have placed you, I've allowed you shepherds, and these aren't the shepherds like we think of at the manger scene, by the way. The word shepherds there is the rulers, the authorities, the kings, those who had authority over the people. You who have been placed, who have been given authority according to my sovereign hand, you have not cared for the people as you should. You have not led them well. You have not guarded their lives. Rather, you have scattered them. You have, been, you have dealt with them harshly. There's all sorts of pain and suffering in the land and in the world because of these leaders who have not taken care of God's people. And so God says to them, woe to you. Just as an FYI, if God says woe to you, it's it's serious. It's bad news. Therefore, thus says the Lord in verse 2, the God of Israel concerning these shepherds who care for my people, you have scattered my flock and driven them away and you have not attended to them. Behold, I will attend to you for your evil deeds, declares the Lord. There is unrighteousness 
everywhere. The people have been scattered. The people are literally in exile all over the place. And these rulers in no way reflect the righteousness of God. One of the responsibilities of anyone placed in authority over God's people is to reflect his righteousness, his kindness, the way his attributes to the people that they're called to care for. As pastors, we have a responsibility to care for those people who are entrusted to us. And God would say to any pastor who leads people astray, who does not elevate his word, but leads them in with false teaching or anything other than the truth and the righteousness of God, woe to them. They will be dealt with. Woe to leaders who are entrusted with caring for God's people. God will deal with them. And so as God sees unrighteousness everywhere, we are reminded that God is very aware. Some of you might feel as if God is distant. You in your own personal lives, in your families, in your job situation, or whatever it is, there are challenges, there's suffering, there's hard things that you are facing. And you may be tempted to think that God is completely unaware of that. One of the things that he reminds us through Jeremiah is that he is very, very aware He knows exactly what it is that you're dealing with. And according to his plans, he will act. He will move when it's for the right timing. As I just shared, I've been frustrated for two years. I've been trying to be obedient. I love Jesus. I work, but I'll just tell you, I've been a little frustrated with the Lord in some ways. I was like, Lord, I think this is what we're called to do. We're talking about church planting. This is what you've called us to be about. And yet it feels like we keep running up against a little bit of a wall here. And then in his perfect timing, he satisfied all of that frustration. And as I've already said multiple times, I'm overjoyed. I'm so thankful that we just stayed the course to be faithful and trusting God. And so let me encourage you friends, stay the course, remain faithful, keep trusting the Lord, keep pleading with him, but know that he will act. There is unrighteousness everywhere, but the righteous Lord will act. This is what he says he will do in verse three. He acknowledges or he expresses that he's aware of all of the evil deeds of these rulers He says, behold, I will attend to you for your evil deeds, declares the Lord. These leaders, it says, have not attended to his people. I will attend to you. God says, I will act. I will bring my people back. I will personally care for them. Guys in the room, you've experienced this in a small way, I expect, sometime, probably just recently. You've been sitting in the chair just enjoying a great football game and something else and the request to get all of the Christmas items down from the attic came and you sat and just continued to watch because you will do, you, you have every intent, you have a very clear plan of exactly how you're going to execute that request, but you need to finish this game. And then you hear those fateful words, fine, I will do it myself. <laughs> and it's not walking or slow, soft steps that follow that. There's some stomping involved and just everyone needs to be aware that I am doing this myself. I, the one who is taking care of everything else, will climb to the attic myself. Maybe I'm alone in that. I'm sorry. That's one of the beautiful things about church is that we can confess our sins to one another and receive God's grace. The Lord says, I called you rulers, shepherds, to care for my people, to protect them, to guard them, to do all that he's called them to do. And then you have failed at that. And so woe to you, there's going to be rejection. There's going to be a rebuke coming for you. At the same time, I will take care of these people myself. I will act. They will one day be without fear. Notice what it says that he will do. 
at the end of verse 3 and end of verse 4, then I will gather the remnant of my flock. I will gather them out of all the countries where I have driven them. They have been driven, yes, by the rulers, but ultimately under God's sovereign hand. That's why you see that difference. And it says that the rulers have driven them. And then God says, I have driven them. God's sovereignty in play with God's use of people and their sinfulness all at work. The mystery of how God moves that we can't always understand. He is going to, though, gather them back. He's going to bring them into the fold. And this is what they will do. As he does that, they shall be fruitful and multiply. He will then set shepherds, new leaders over them, and these leaders will care for them, and they shall fear no more, nor be dismayed. Sometimes we have a hard time understanding, at least I do, trying to figure out what's the opposite of dismayed. If I'm, if I'm not dismayed, what is that? Being without dismay means that you are filled with hope. You are not feeling in awe, just sort of lost and unable to know how to take a step forward. That's what being dismayed is. No, they are filled with hope and they have a direction for their life. Neither shall any be missing, not one of God's people. Not one that he intends that he will save and redeem and bring into this fold, none will be missing. This is what God says he will do. I, the righteous one, will act. I will gather myself a people. Now, as we look at this prophecy, this prophecy was at least in part first fulfilled beginning in the 6th century under King Cyrus. In the 6th century leading into the 5th century where the books of Ezra and Nehemiah are written, we see God do this exact thing. He begins to draw his people, the Israelites, back to himself. He places new leadership over them. You can read these accounts in Ezra and Nehemiah. We studied Nehemiah almost probably, I think, year one of this church. You have to go back and find that somewhere. But he draws them back. One of the things that I love is we look at Ezra and Nehemiah in Ezra chapter eight and Nehemiah chapter seven, you see these long lists of names. And some of you probably like, you know, have done this before. You come to those lists of names and you're thinking to yourself, there's a bunch of names that I don't even know how to pronounce that I have no idea what they're there for. Why do we have this long list of names in our scriptures? Why did God intend to put that in the Bible? Well, I can tell you why he put that in the Bible. Because he made a prophecy, he made a promise to God's people that he would draw them back and not one would be missing. And the long list that you find there in Ezra chapter eight and Nehemiah chapter seven is the list of those names. God did exactly what he promised he would do. He draw, drew them back to himself. He fulfilled this prophecy somewhat. He brought them back and there was safety for a time. But ultimately, it was the Lord who did all of this. The prophecy was fulfilled but only partially, because there would still be evil in the land, there would still be challenge, there would still be strife, the story was still unfolding because the prophecy is ultimately fulfilled when the Lord, our righteousness, comes, Jesus. Because this prophecy points to Jesus. In John chapter 10, Jesus, picking up on this prophecy, I can imagine this may have been one of the conversations that he had with the disciples on the road to Emmaus. All that the scripture gives us is that he explained to them from the scriptures that he was the Messiah, explained why he had to do what he had to do. But in John chapter 10, Jesus said prior to going to the cross, I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Just as the father knows me and I know the father, I lay my life down for the sheep. The previous shepherds of old had failed. And Jesus says, I am that good shepherd that the prophet Jeremiah was pointing to. I can imagine Jesus with the disciples, as I said, walking down the road and saying, remember the prophet Jeremiah? You know this scripture well. You remember it. They would have known it. They would have known it by heart. He said, yeah, that was about me. I was the one that they were pointing to. I am the one who will do this. I am the good shepherd. Ultimately, though, 
as Jesus fulfills this, we see the real purpose of what God is doing. It wasn't just to establish Israel and Judah and to give them safety, but God is always at work because the righteous one has come to give righteousness to the unrighteous. Righteousness given to the unrighteous. And this is ultimately what Jesus would do. See, God doesn't just want righteous leaders. He doesn't just call pastors and leaders of authority and all of those to, to be righteous. It's not just those that are placed in authority, but he wants a righteous people. He created us so that we would be like him. We would be righteous. But I don't know if you've figured this out in your own life, but I figured this out in mine. I can't live up to the standard that God has. There is a measurement for how God looks at people. His righteousness is the measuring stick. And as I evaluate my life in contrast to his righteousness, what I realize every single time is I fall desperately short of that. I cannot meet the standard. It's not possible for me to meet the standard. And so when God says that he will, in his righteousness, draw them back and lead them and care for them and that they will be righteous, this is why he has to say, this is the name by which he will be called, the Lord is our righteousness. See, there's not a righteousness from within that God appeals to. There is a righteousness that exists apart from us that is given to us. The Lord is our righteousness. God, in his righteousness, executes perfect judgment. He measures perfectly. His standards are perfection. And as Paul talks about over and over and over again in all of his letters, we cannot meet that standard. The Lord would do it himself. He would give us his righteousness. Behold, in verse 5, the days are coming, declares the Lord. You've heard this read multiple times. When I will raise up... For David, a fulfillment of another prophecy we'll probably look out in the weeks ahead, out of the line of David, a righteous branch, and he shall reign as king and deal wisely and shall execute justice and righteousness in the land. In his days, Judah will be saved and Israel will dwell securely, and this is the name by which he will be called, the Lord is our righteousness. When the Lord calls us to himself and gives us his righteousness, we are dealing with someone who deals wisely with his people. We are dealing with someone who, again, executes perfect justice. We are dealing with someone who gives righteousness to us. We're weary, friends. Most of the time, I find that we are weary because we're striving to find or produce a righteousness from within ourselves rather than taking hold of the righteousness that is given to us through Jesus. We toil and strive to produce good enough works that we think might tell others and tell ourselves that we could hold up before God and say, this is who I am, will you accept me? I can tell you every single time I find myself struggling, I find myself in doing something where I'm getting away and there's some distance between me and the Lord. The Lord hasn't moved, by the way, as I'm distancing from him, where there's challenge and there's strife. It's because I'm trying to find a righteousness or I'm trying to find some way to make myself acceptable to you to say, would you love me? Would you care for me? Will you accept me for who I am? Because I'm not surely and fully convinced of the righteousness that I have in Christ alone. I'm trying to find some way to appease God and to please man because I want something 
from within. I try to look from within. And what God's word tells us with a prophecy of Jeremiah is there is a righteous one. The Lord is our righteousness. It's him and he's apart from us. But he comes, he came that first Christmas to welcome us and to draw us in and to lead us and care for us. Reminds me of one of my very favorite verses in scripture, 2 Corinthians 5, 21. For our sake, that's for me and that's for you. That's for anyone who could hear my voice. For our sake, for your sake, he made him to be sin, who knew no sin, so that through him we might be called the righteousness of God. He made Jesus to be sin so that through him, that promise that he made, the Lord would be our righteousness. The fact that all of your heads didn't just explode when you think about that means you're not really thinking about it, all right? The Lord is our righteousness. He exchanged our sinfulness and all of the desires of our heart. And he says, I'm going to give you freely a righteousness that is from me given to you on my own accord because I desire that. I want a righteous people. And I will make for myself a righteous people by sending the Messiah who would make them righteous through his death. The righteous one gave his life for the unrighteous so that the righteous one, Jesus, could make for himself a people who would be called righteous. That's what he's done. That's what his coming means for us. The Lord is our righteousness and his coming, the humility of Philippians chapter two, to come and lower himself to be like us so that he could secure for himself a righteous people is the most beautiful story that's ever been told. The Lord is our righteousness. Are you weary? Are you tired of trying to produce righteousness on your own? Are you tired of trying to convince God that you're acceptable to him by trying to stack up a bunch of good things? You've taken the evil that you know exists in your life and you're like over here, especially at Christmas season, let's do a bunch of good deeds. Let's do all of these things. Are you, but are you just exhausted by that? Then friend, you're not alone. Let me invite you to repent of that, to just confess that, that you've been striving to find a righteousness on your own ability rather than receiving freely the righteousness given to you by the Lord, the only one who could be your righteousness. We don't have to be weary. That's the beauty of the gospel. I'm gonna pray and we're gonna end our service a little bit differently just for the sake of time. Um, as I pray, I wanna just invite you to maybe confess that to Jesus. That you're weary, you're trying to produce a righteousness that you can't ever seem to lay a hold of. Like the great reformer Luther, you've exhausted yourself trying to show God that you can be righteous. And finally, what convinced Luther, what changed him and what led to the whole world being turned upside down again was that he said, I need grace. And so just call out to Jesus and say, I need your grace. I need, righteous, I need your righteousness. And the promise that he's made to us is he will be your righteousness. That's what he came to do. And so just receive that from him this morning, even as I pray. Matt's going to lead us in our doxology. And then I and a few elders, our ladies team, some ladies from our ladies team will be down front. We'd love to pray with you at the end of our time together. But let's go to the Lord now.
Let's confess our weariness to him. Let's ask God to be our righteousness. Lord Jesus, we thank you for this time that we've had together. We thank you that you are our righteousness. We confess that most likely we've been striving for something that we never had to strive for. No, we needed to reach the end of ourselves and just lay our lives down at your feet and see your care for us. So I pray for every soul in this room, every soul that can hear the sound of my voice through whatever means they're listening to right now. Would you give them that blessed assurance that you are our righteousness? Will we find our hope in you alone? Help us in this season as we celebrate your coming to understand more fully what you did. That you came so that you could be made sin for us so that in you, God the Father might declare us as unrighteous people, as righteous We might be seen with your righteousness. What an amazing and beautiful truth to remember. We thank you for it all in your name. Amen. Thanks for joining us for the preaching of God's word at City Church Melissa. We meet Sunday mornings at 8, 9.30, and 11 a.m. And we look forward to meeting you there soon. City Church Melissa, for the glory of God, the good of the city, and the hope of the world. Oh, you say